Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Greg Cunningham, you are the president and CEO of Farm Credit Southeast Missouri, found on the web at farmcreditsemo.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you very much. And uh, thanks for inviting me. And it's an honor to be with you. Greg, it's good to see you again. We worked together in a a previous life for me, and uh, I've always enjoyed your stories and expertise. And I really appreciate you coming on. And um, for those of us who may not be as familiar with farm credit, I know I was new to that industry probably 10 years ago. I was very unfamiliar with it. Um, So those who may not be familiar with it, can you kind of talk about at a high level, what does farm credit Southeast Missouri do? Uh, I I will. And let me start by uh, talking about the farm credit system as a whole, because we're one association of the farm credit system. And, and so the farm credit system is a nationwide uh, set of independently owned cooperatives. So anywhere you go in the country, in Puerto Rico, you're gonna find a farm credit association. And those can be made up of many different sizes. For instance, farm credit Southeast Missouri or farm credit CMO is just under a billion dollars. And we have a neighbor and you know, they, they're $30 billion in size. So two whole different worlds, but we all do exactly the same thing. Uh, the farm credit system is over 100 years old. Uh, it was started, even though it was started originally with federal funds, those were paid off many, many years ago, right after it was started. And uh, we do not loan government money. So that's one thing, real important thing to remember. It's not a government agency. We have our own funding court that's in uh, New York, which is actually in New Jersey. And they sell uh, farm credit bonds all over the world. And then though that money is filtered down to four different farm credit banks. And then from those four banks, it's filtered down to about now around 70 associations throughout the country. And those associations, just like Farm Credit CMO, 
are uh, independently owned cooperatives. We're governed by a board of directors. That board of directors is made up mostly of uh, local farmers who borrow money from us. They're our owners. Uh, that board is my boss. And again, most of them are local farmers, but there's always uh, one or two appointed board members. And one of those appointed board members is a financial expert. So even though you have a bunch of farmers on a board and they're very good at farming, but you also have a financial expert. And that's usually a local lawyer, CPA, or, or someone on the board that brings that expertise there. And so again, over a hundred years old, locally owned, but as a cooperative, uh, when, if we make money, and I always say this is simple business, simple business, we loan money to farmers. And if we make money at the end of the year, we give part of it back to our borrowers. Uh, but how that happens is, is we're a cooperative, we're governed by the local board, we pay back cash patronage. And it's not always cash, but we here at SEMO, we pay back a cash patronage. Patronage is just another word that a co-op uses for the money it pays back to its borrowers if it has a really good year or a good year at all. And we pay that back to the borrowers. And just, just for example, in round numbers, if an association's about a billion dollars in size and we measure ourselves in the amount of loans we have, total assets of about a billion, most of those total assets are loans. But let's just say a billion dollar association makes $20 million a year. They may give back $5 million, $8 million, $10 million back to their customers. Okay. And so that, and that's usually in the range of 1% back. So what we say is we're going to give you a really competitive interest rate up front. We're going to provide you the best service you're going to get anywhere. And at the end of the year, when we make money, the board is going to vote and approve a patronage payment back to our borrowers. Uh, now here at, here at uh, Farm Credit SEMO, uh, we kind of add to that and we don't charge fees. So there's no loan fees here and that's not throughout the system, but here we have no fees. So we have, we have lo lower rates, longer terms, no fees, superior customer service. And at the end of the year, when we make money, we're gonna give some of that money back. So I think that's a great story to tell for the farm credit system overall. It's a great story for us to tell. And it's how we, and when it comes down to it, I'm competitive and that's how we beat the competition. You know, we, we work with our local banks, we work with commercial bankers, uh, but we wanna win the business and, and that's the way we do it. And uh, so, so getting back to Farm Credit SEMO, we're about a billion dollars. We cover 12 counties with seven branch offices, uh, only about 55 employees. So we run, we run pretty thin. We're located in what most people would call the boot hill of Missouri, so Southeast Missouri. Uh, a lot of people say we should have been Arkansas, but we're not, and there's a long story behind that. But, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a hidden pearl. It's great agricultural property and land. We have great soil, great, all the water we need, great weather, great farmers. Uh, we're very successful as an association. We're well capitalized, almost 20% capital. Our credit quality, is good and uh, credit quality just means you grade all your loans and and you want most of them, they can't all be A's because you're in the lending business, but you want most of them to be A's and we're about 99% A's. So our credit quality is good. So we provide great service, good quality. Um, I think we do, a, I think we do a really good job with uh, really very few people. Mm -hmm. And so I know that's a long answer, but that's the farm credit system as a whole. Anywhere you go, you can find farm credit. And if you're in Southeast Missouri, you need to come to us if you're a farmer and borrow money. We, the, the system as a whole loans money to agriculture, to farmers, part-time farmers, some ag businesses and to rural homes. So if you live, have a home out in the country, we can finance that as well. 
I think that's the, the next question. People always hear how fantastic farm credit is and, and everything you just listed. You took a lot of complicated stuff that's happened over 100 plus years and you um, synthesized it into very clear vision and message. And then, you know, you think of banks and you think of fees and you said, no, we don't we don't charge any fees. And then my thought is, well, gosh, how do I get to work with with this particular bank? And so it's not for everybody. It's it's very specialized in supporting a, a certain industry. So um, can you reiterate again? I mean, this is just not for everybody. It's it's for a very narrow niche right. market. Right. Well, well, it is. It, it, it's only agriculture. People would say, well, you're in agriculture. That's a very risky business. And, and it is a very risky business. Uh, but again, we, we have great loans uh, and we're well capitalized, but you're right. So so when we go out to hire people, you know, we just we just don't go out and hire every commercial banker in town. Uh, we need some we, we would prefer somebody that was raised on a farm. We would pr obviously prefer somebody that has agricultural background and wants to do this type of business. Now, that's not to say that we don't have some really good bankers that grew up in New York and in, 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 uh, in, in a commercial bank. Uh, in, when I worked in Florida, I had some people that came out of Miami and we got them in farm credit of Florida and we turned them around and and they love farm credit now and they would never leave it. Uh, it, it is a special place to work. And, um, and, and I'll talk, if, if I may, just a little bit about culture, uh, because, uh, and I know you like to talk about culture. So everywhere I've been in farm credit, and I'll talk about my background in a minute, the word that you always hear is family. And it's not just thrown out as some, some motto or something. Everywhere I've worked, it's like family. When I walk in the door, it's like, well, you know, we're like family here. We don't want to mess that up. And uh, so, so it really is. So the people work together. We care about each other. We take care of each other. And it's a real, uh, it's a great place to work. Obviously, we, we, we pay comparatively to everybody else. We have great benefits. And it's just a, it's just a really great place to work. Yeah, you guys take great care of people. Um, I enjoyed my time when I got to work with you. And it is, it's, it's a family. It's a team. Um, you begin to learn about rural communities like you've never seen a rural community before come together. And to be able to have that experience is amazing. And to know that there's a farm credit in every county, in every state in America is unbelievable. So anybody can literally research this and learn about it and be able to talk to somebody um, that supports them. And so like, how did you get into farm credit? How did you get into this whole line of business? And um yeah, we all have our own story, how we stumble into farm credit. So I'd love to hear yours. Sure. Okay. And I'll, I'll try not to take too long, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of a story. And I say everybody has their story. So stories uh, are what is our, our fun. So this is what we're here go. for. I'd love to hear it. There you go. Okay. So, so background, I was born and raised on a small farm in Louisiana, a uh, poor kid on a farm, uh, went to school, uh, went, went, went to school at Louisiana Tech University, we put in a plug for them and uh, in agricultural business, and then also went in the National Guard. So I also spent 21 years in the Guard and Reserve. And, and I did part of that just to be able to pay for school. But as I thought about going in the military, I got a call from the local uh, Federal Land Bank Association in Louisiana. And the farm credit system as a whole used to be, was established as the Federal Land Bank and the which long-term loans in the PCA. So people may have heard of the land bank and, and, and PCA. So I went to work for a small uh, federal land bank association. So I did that rather than go into the military. And it was in 85 and agriculture was, was doing terribly. It was, a, it was a, not a good place to work because things were bad. Grain embargo, a lot of things going on. And people often ask me, you know, why did you go into farm credit? Why would you do that? And my answer was always, 
Well, it's very simple. I was a poor farm boy who went to college and got a degree. And I had the chance to go home and tell my daddy I had a job. Mm-hmm. And so that was very important in our world. So, so anyway, I started there as a loan officer, worked there for a few years. And then I moved to North Carolina and become a, a loan officer in North Carolina and worked in North Carolina for about 18 years total. All of that, except for four years, was with foreign credit. So I got out of farm credit for four years, went into commercial banking in Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, mega banking center, and was going to be a big time banker. And I found out that I learned a lot and I learned enough. And I wanted to get back to the farm credit system, you know, get, get back home where I belong. So I had the opportunity. And in that time, I served as a branch loan officer, branch manager, corporate loan manager. I was also a credit reviewer for 10 years. Best job I've had, a credit reviewer, because you learn everything about all different types of credit. Well, then I had a chance to move to Montgomery, Alabama uh, for the Federal Land Bank of South Alabama, needed a chief credit officer. And so I always wanted to be a chief credit officer. That was like a really cool job in farm credit. You were usually the number two guy or person. And uh, so I did that. We changed, we switched that land bank from only making long-term loans to agriculture to making all kinds of agricultural loans. In farm credit today, you can make loans on land, tractors, operating, homes, anything. So I worked there for a couple of years as a chief credit officer. And then I found out that every chief credit officer wants to be a CEO. And so, so there was a small association in Northeast Texas, little bitty association, a lot of trouble, bad dairy loans, and they needed a CEO and nobody would go. So I volunteered, uh, went to Sulphur Springs, Texas. You know, that doesn't even sound good, but I can tell you <laughs> Sulphur Springs is a great little town and it was a great place to live. Uh, but we were uh, we were very fortunate. We were I put a great team together, and I give the credit to the team I put together, and we turned it around. Uh, matter of fact, when I went into town, I was told just rent. Don't even think about buying a house because you won't be here that long because you're not going to make it. And uh, that just gave me more fuel to make sure we made it. So we turned it around, and um, and then I had a guy that worked for me there that was from Florida, and he walked in. He said, "You know, Florida associations in a lot of trouble. They have like a good bank and a bad bank." and and I'm like, wow, that sounds interesting. I'd love to go to Florida. And they were five times as big and five times the trouble in, in trouble. And so I had a chance to go down to Florida and, and they were in trouble, but it was not, it wasn't really their fault. It was a bad economy, a world economy. The state economy was bad. National economy was bad. They had just gone through a merger. So it really wasn't anyone's fault. Um, but I kind of had a plan I put together in Texas and took that same plan to Florida and you know, when you go in as a CEO, when you go in, you either have a good team or you have to build a good team or a combination of both. And we had some really good people and we brought some really good people in and, and we turned it around. And not only did we turn it around, we grew it. So we grew that one from 800 million to a billion three. They're in good shape now, doing very well. Matter of fact, the guy that worked for me in Texas from Florida ended up being the CEO there when I left and did it. And then he retired out. And another guy that was my chief credit officer who had used to work in Florida that was in Texas. He's currently the CEO there. So we so we had a great team. And obviously me leaving, they did really good. They're continuing to do well. And then I had the opportunity to come to Southeast Missouri. I was going to go somewhere else and didn't even think about Southeast Missouri. Got a call from a friend like often happens and said, if you'll just come see it, they need you and you need them. And so a year and a half ago, I started here. You know, and, and, they, and they were not in trouble here. This is a very good association when I got here. And, and, and my friend said, you probably need to go somewhere where you don't have to fix it. You can just run it. What a gift to be able to do that right now. And and you've turned around so many. And then this has probably got to be a shift of, of being able to come into a different style of association needs um, when you came here. 
Yeah, and it, it is totally different. And you kind of get away from the, uh, I don't guess I minded being called the fixer, but I, I didn't want to end my career as a fixer. You know, I wanted to, to do some good things at a good association. And, and this has allowed me to do that. This is this is when I walked into, they had a really good team and, and they've done really good. And, and gosh, with 55 people, we do a great job. It sounds like it. Um, tell me, you've talked about team. And so no matter where you go, no matter where anybody goes, we got to build teams. Um, and so you've had a lot of opportunities of going into brand new places, brand new roles. You've seen opportunities to grow within organizations. And each time you do that, you have to develop a team. And it's probably a team that works directly for you. But then my favorite teams are always the ones that we have to figure out how to influence without always that direct line. Um, can you talk about what you're looking for when you're building a team and, um, you know, what matters and maybe some tips and tricks that you've learned along the way when it comes to building teams? Sure. Well, well going into different associations, I can tell you that the best thing to remember is they're all different. And what you use in one may not work in the other. And uh, in Texas, we kind of had a combination of the people that were already there and we brought some new people in. Um, but, but you have to look at the situation in hand and, and see what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, when I went to Florida, I just, um, we brought some people in that we had worked in the farm credit system, had been in Florida, but were somewhere else then. And so we brought them in to work with us. I also found out little things like you talk about the other teams that you work with. Mm -hmm. in, in bad times when you have a lot of bad loans, don't take your best loan officers and make them collect the loans they made that are bad. Let them go make good loans because you have to make good loans to survive and, and hire specialists in collecting loans. So you can try to help people, uh, but you have to collect those loans. So I would say when you go in, you know, what are you looking for? You're looking for somebody with experience. You're looking for somebody who knows how to work with people. You want them to be very good in their expertise. You want the CFO to be the best CFO and the, and the best chief credit officer to be the best chief credit officer. And I've had some of the best chief credit officers uh, uh, in the system. And so you just want, you know, you want to assemble that team. And I, and I would say there's philosophy. There's two kinds of CEOs in the world. There's the kind that, and, and there's nothing wrong with them, but they walk in and they're smart. They're the smartest people in the room and they know it and you know it and they're really good at what they do and they hire really good people. And then there's the other type of CEO like me. When I walk in the room, I'm going to hire people that are much smarter than me, very good at what they do and let them do their job. And, and that's what I've done. So I would give the credit in, uh, in Texas and in Florida to the people we put together and then let them do what they know how to do. You know, let them take their expertise and run with it. And then if they're not from farm credit, teach them the farm credit way. I always say they have, you, you know, when they turn the corner, and they become a foreign credit person. You know that you know that very well. Um, you came in from the outside and worked for foreign credit, and you finally learned the culture. And it's like, wow, this is great. And not only do I want to be here, I want to be as good as I can be in doing my job. Yeah, it, it's it's a special place, and um, any experience with it, and and you just get you have a greater appreciation for what the services are that you guys provide and um, the talent that's there. So. And I think that's important, being able to, to treat everybody a little bit different. So you got different types of teams and different personalities and what worked in the past may not always work in the future. And um, I think those are great, great points. Exactly. exactly. Well, I, let me, let's a little bit about attitudes and things like that. So I say this jokingly, yes. okay, but, yeah. uh, and, and we talk about this with some of the other CEOs, some of them like it, some of them don't, but I simply do three things as a CEO, uh -huh. I manage egos. I herd cats and I entertain people. 
And if you really break down what a CEO does, that's really that's really what they do. And there's a lot of that. I, I'll give you a quick example. When I lived in, in, in North Carolina, I lived across the street from a from a, a son of the owner of a large coffee company. They sold coffee all over the all over the world, all over the country. And he was inheriting the company from his dad. He didn't know a whole lot about coffee, even though he grew up with it. But he'd become the CEO one day and he said, he said, Greg, let me tell you, I have my offices at the end of the hall and there's a long hall with doors on either side and offices. And I've hired the best people in the world to run this company and continue it in my dad's tradition. He said that they're the best and they all come with an ego. So I get to work every morning and I manage egos all day long because they're doing their best. You know, I just make sure they don't kill each other while they're trying to do it. And yeah. so, uh, so managing egos is a huge part of the CEO's job that I think a lot of CEOs don't realize, our managers don't realize when they get into it. And then I always throw in the herding cats because I, my boss is a board of directors and I've had 24, a 24 person board before. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people to, to, you know, to work with. You go to meetings and you're all over the place and you're making sure everybody's taken care of. And entertaining people is just something you do when you get to that level. You have to learn how to entertain people and, uh, and, and market and sell and do a little bit of everything. And I find out you're, you know, you don't, I don't do anything really well. I just do a lot of things and hopefully do them okay. So for, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> it's working, Greg, it's working. And um, I was just with a group of, of managers yesterday and they're in that phase of their career where they're going to have to start letting go of things and create and, and do less be, to be able to do more. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but they're, Absolutely. they're used to, to doing so many things and they had to do that to get to where they are. But they're now they're having to figure out how to put time on their calendar to create the space to be able to manage an ego and to be able to uh, possibly herd a few cats. Because, you know, when you first start learning how to herd cats, it takes a lot of time. And even if you have 24 cats and egos and everything that are, that are going on, it, you just don't jump into something like that. So I don't know if you have any advice for those folks that are in that transition of their career where they're really climbing that ladder and they're just taking it on, they're drinking it from the fire hose and they're learning. They just had this moment where they're learning, oh my gosh, I got to stop doing some of this day-to-day -day stuff because I do need to take a step back. Do you see benefit in that? How do you transition into that? that yeah. process. Well, I would say for, and I've been in that situation before when there's somebody there and you know, they're going to make that next step up. You really need to mentor them and, 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 and explain it to them because you can't just jump in and start, you know, you can't jump in and take 10 people. And we, I, I jokingly say herding cats, but, but you have to be very, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to do it. And you, you know, you can't get upset. That's one of the biggest things I found out is don't, don't get upset. Don't take things personal. Don't, try to invoke your attitude into the situation, you know, just work with them and try to come out with a good result. I know what I want done. And, and in a way, you, at the end of the day as a CEO, you want the results. I want to make business plan. I want to make better than business plan. I want to make incentive. I want everybody to get paid incentive. That's what I want. So I have to deal with a lot. And if I don't necessarily agree with everybody, that's okay. If I don't necessarily not so much like them, but if they're different from me, that doesn't matter. I, it, it doesn't matter to me. We, we need to get the results. And even though we need to all work together, we need to work towards the results. So as you mentor people, try to get them to understand it because you take a, you take a senior level executive and they're in their world, the accounting world, they're in the accounting world and that's what they know and they can handle it and they can direct it. And when they, 
expand, they get a little frustrated because things don't go exactly how they want. Well, they're never going to go exactly how you want. It's never going to be like the accounting world. <laughs> um, so yeah, so 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 ex explain that to people because I see a lot of people become CEOs and it's like, I'm a CEO now. I know what to do. I'm going to put on my CEO jacket and go tell everybody what to do. Big mistake. You know, take off your jacket, walk down the hall, listen to everybody, you know, work with them. And, you know, what is it? Uh, management by working, by walking around and talking and, and do those type things. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and just let, just let people that are going to move in that position know it's tough, but you can do it, but don't never walk in the door thinking you know how to do everything because you don't, because I don't. And it's okay. You know? Hey, it, hey it's okay. And the bottom line is you, you're not always going to make your numbers, but you want to make your numbers, make your numbers. And, 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 and do it in a good culture where everybody gets along. Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing to do. That's, that's a lot of managing and hurting and entertaining. It is. Sounds like you, uh, you've got something coming out soon. If, if you've almost got this, this um, it's not a slogan phrase, um, managing cats, hurting, hurting, or no, managing, managing egos. egos, hurting cats. I don't know. sounds like there could be something else coming. <laughs> you know, there, well, there, you know, there, there could be a book one day. I don't know, and I'm not writing a book, but <laughs> I do know some other people. I do know some people in the farm credit system that are putting together stories, and you know, and you know, and taking things like this, and you know, there's always those those funny sayings and things that come up, and so you have to think about that. And and I do use that. I mean, I talk with my folks, and I use that a lot. I have I have a senior leadership team now, and they're very good. And man, they are very good at what they do in their individual areas. And, and it has taken a little bit of work to get them to work together. And, and uh, well, we'll talk about here, but I'll talk about Florida. So, so in Florida, I had, I had people with 20 years in farm credit, 30 years in farm credit. And then I had one person that came from downtown Miami. Couldn't have told you what a farm was, but excellent at what they did. And, and you really had to get them working. And I mean, they butted heads all the time, but, but it took a little time. And, and we managed to make the farm credit people understand that have been in farm credit nowhere else, make them understand there are other people in the world and they do have different attitudes. Mm -hmm. And then and the city folk come in and say, Hey, let's, let's work together. It's, you know, it doesn't, it, it's not a war every day you walk in the door, you know, and you know that in the business world, you work in the business world, there's a lot of swimming with the sharks and looking over your shoulder every minute. And, and we don't do that. And we don't, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. Tell me, okay, so we've, we're kind of, I feel like we're out of this pandemic and a lot of stuff has shifted and a lot of opportunity has come up. Um, I see opportunity and, and it's a lot of change and it can be scary. I'm kind of wondering what your thoughts are as far as how did you have to adjust because of this pandemic? And what do you think are some things that are coming out of it that are possibly permanent changes that may or may not be good? Yeah. Well, uh, here in Southeast Missouri, we, we made a lot of changes. We, we followed the rules. We followed the guidelines. We were probably not as effective as some other people, uh, definitely down in Florida. Florida was, a, was kind of a different world for a while. Uh, we were not as effective here, but there were times where we shut down the offices. We sent everybody home. We, you know, we followed the rules. If somebody was exposed in the office, we shut it down. We worked from home. We, we did our branches on a rotating schedule, so not everybody was there at the same time. We wore the mask. Uh, we did everything we were supposed to do and and we made it through it and we've been pretty successful with that i think uh, actually we had a fabulous year last year but that's you know that's um 
that's a whole nother story. But we did do, we did do great, and we did it through COVID. Coming out of COVID, I would say we learned some pretty good lessons. I mean, we know we can all work from home, so we know we have the technology. You know, a small little billion dollar association with a couple of IT people um, and very little support. You know, we can make everything work. And and I think uh, I think one of the things we're going to learn. And I was in a meeting with a bunch of CEOs last week, two different meetings. And we talked about this a lot, what happened. And so now they're, you know, these are big organizations with hundreds of people and they're rotating people in and out. And they have these new schedules. You can work three days here and two days there. And, and, and I understand all that. Uh, but what I really think we're going to find out is that, that there'll be studies done and we'll find out. The important thing is, is how people work where they are. You know, what, like if I work from home and I can be 200% more productive, then you're going to work from home. If I work from home and I can't do anything, but, you know, I don't get anything done, then I need to be at the office. And we're going to find out it's more individual than anything. Now, granted, some people have to be at the office. Some people have to, you know, open the door and make sure they're there. The salespeople and the loan officers have to go out and sell and make loans. But for those other positions, I would rather have people where they're more productive. Uh, we, had a, we, had a, we had a lady here. She lived right across the street. Um, she worked from home for almost a year, but she was very productive. You know, and then, and then some people just want to come to the office. They're more productive if they can get face to face, if they can have that talk in the morning over coffee and they go to their office and they get busy. So I think that's what we have to figure out. I understand the work schedules and you can be flexible and people can do so many days in, so many days out. But it seems to me everybody's making that like the rule for everyone. Yeah. And I want it to be more individual. Obviously, it's easier for us. We have fewer people, but I think that'll be the results of COVID in the end and how it's, but man, it's, it's increased the technology. Well, here's another thing. In a big organization, you can have a senior management team that never sees each other. There, there's an association out there that all their senior management team lives a lot in different states, you know, works in their basement and in our own Zoom calls all day long, they're very successful. I think that would be hard to do, but, but it does work. And, um, and that's a good thing. You don't have to have everybody in the same office. You don't have to have Monday morning, 730 meetings face to face to make sure everybody knows what's going on. You know, that's that's in the past. It almost feels like life is starting to creep into these 80 hour work weeks that we once knew. Um, I feel like COVID has, has created that. Oh, my gosh, maybe I, I do want to be at my house. Um, maybe you know, maybe I'll clean it up a little bit and then add a patio on the back and, and pause and take a breath. So um, it's really forced us to really shift and, and look at that kind of stuff. And I think your perceptions around, you know, where are you going to be most productive? And I'm, I'm, my brain's already going. I'm sure there's assessments and surveys and things like that that are right. probably going to come into the workplace. And that'll probably be the next wave of trying to find that productivity for that team and then understanding their differences and their similarities and how do you maximize that. So I'm sure you're um, onto something and it'll be fun to see, you know, the articles and books and things that come out post pandemic and, and where it's right. going to take us next. Yeah. I, so. I think it'd be interesting. And, and, and I know I'm not going to call you a workaholic, but I'll bet you almost are. And I know that I, that I, that I probably am, but I like, I like working all the time. So I love the technology. But I also know how to turn it off on the weekends and go to the beach. And, and you know, I know how to do that. Uh, and and maybe, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's not. But, you know, two or three hours away from the phone, I get a little nervous. Well, a lot of people are like that. You know, kids have to have their phones all the time. But my point is, is we can, we are going to work all the time. If you want to be successful, 
you're going to have your phone all the time. So people are going to learn because of the technology, they can do that. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to always be connected. You just have to learn to work with it. And, um, and those people who learn how to do that, they're going to be really successful. I think that ties back into teamwork as well. So you can work a lot um, or appear to, to work a lot, but to turn your phone off for just three hours, like what you're saying, that's going to be important to recharge who you are. But you can do that when you've got that good team in place. And I think it goes, it just comes full circle of being available, you know, being able to turn off the phone and having a strong team. It's, it's like a, a triangle of what we need for today's work world versus going to the office for nine to five and then coming home. Coming home. And, and, and we're going to have to adjust to, I have a 19 year old daughter, the University mm-hmm. of Alabama, Roll Tide, but, um, but, but we're going to find out, we're going to have to adjust to the way they live. Because, I mean, you take a young person now and you say, I'm going to take your keys or your phone. Well, they'll throw the keys at you in a hurry, but you'll fight for the phone. So they're going to have that phone all the time. So you can't you can't hire somebody that's really good at what they do and say, oh, by the way, there's no Facebook. There's no Twitter. There's no Instagram. And you got to have that phone off all day. Well, they're not going to work. for you, But somebody out there is going to hire them. So you so we're going to have to adjust to that because good or bad or indifferent, it's the way of life now. Yeah. Starts with communication, I guess. So, you know, start talking about it now and start figuring out what those needs are and breaking points and um, negotiations and how important are certain pieces. So, yeah, that's fun. Tell me, um, tell me, I guess, do you have a, you've got a lot of success stories, Greg. Do you have one in particular that you'd like to share with us of um, something that is just a fun experience to be able to to share? Well, I guess I would use maybe the obvious one, and it's kind of a, a big one, but I had a lot of help. But when I went to Florida, they were really in <clears throat> they were really in bad shape. I mean, and again, it was no one's fault. It was just the bad economic times, but uh, a lot of bad loans, a lot of people retiring. And I, I would say the success story was to bring to to bring in good people that were really good at what they did and let them do their job. And we kind of had a say in we uh, it was collect and correct the non accruals sell the acquired property, put the right people in the right place and go after the good loans. And there are probably some people that are tired of hearing that because we said it every day. And so we did. So we, and, and we put that in place and probably over three or four years, we got rid of all the bad loans, sold all the acquired property, restaffed a lot, put the right people in the right place from the book, Good to Great, which I love. And, um, and then go after the good loans. You know, don't don't put people who know how to make good loans collecting bad loans. Get them out there making good loans. Let them do what they do best. And, and we grew it to over a billion dollars and great credit quality and great people. And, and, and Florida was back. And, you know, we had our the regulator had their foot on our throat and we did everything they told us to do. And, and then one day they came in and said, you're OK, you know, and, go, you know, you're you're good again. Go back to work. And that's what we can do. And I would consider that a great success. But I would take very little credit for it. I mean, we we put together a great team. We had great people, and you know, like I said, you just I just kind of managed it. <laughs> let people do their let people do their thing. So your humility is is great. We know that you know it takes a leader to be able to set the vision and work with the team and get the right people in the right seats on the bus. And um, I don't think we can underestimate what that clear vision is. And a lot of times. I'll see some leaders, they, they have a vision, but they feel like they've said it a few times. It's good enough. And I'm like, no, you say it like it's a broken record and you never, never give up. 
<laughs> right, right. Every day, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, tell them what you told them. We, it, this was kind of our, our our motto, and I've used it at different places. But we're going to get bigger, better, stronger, and we're going to get bigger, better, stronger to a billion. And and that and that was our goal. And and they were tired of hearing it. You know, Greg, it's like, what are we going to do, Greg? My God, we're going to get bigger, better, stronger. Okay, we'll do your part. And then you know, and, and we had it, and, and we built a business plan, and we have words around that business plan. You know, year of commitment, commitment to customer, commitment to community. You know, and, and we we build a business plan around that. And I think that works. I like it personally because that's just the way I am. I like words. I'm visual. I, I want to have. I, I want to know where I'm going. And then I, you know, I want to say that all. I want to say that all the time. But yeah, there's around here. They're so tired of hearing bigger, better, stronger. But we'll we're getting really close to a billion, and we'll be there soon. I hope you celebrate when you get there. Do you have a celebration in mind? Uh, we're working on that. We'll okay. We, we will have fun. Well, we're cheering you on from South Carolina. So I think that's you'll be there before you know it. And um, just as you said earlier, you 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 had that clear vision for four years in Florida. You just kept restating it, restating it, restating it. And that's sometimes what a leader is doing is just kind of wearing out what that vision is. And everybody in the organization knows what it is and they can recite it. And there's gold in that. So it was good. It was a great team, great board of directors. You know, that's where mm -hmm. we had a lot of board of directors uh, uh, that they had a plan to reduce that, of course, after the merger, but just great board of directors, great people to work with. And uh, awesome. uh, that's fantastic. Tell me, um, you know, we're starting to just wrap this up. Tell me maybe one or two of your best pieces of advice. Best pieces of advice. Yeah. I feel like I've already given those, but. Um, well, if you've got something else to, well, to share. You, know, I, you I, have I would, lots of advice, so I love it. You know, you know, it, it, you know in, in the work day, I, I would say that um, I've learned tradition and habit works well. You know, get in a routine. I guess routine's the new word that, that I like to use. Get into a routine because I still go back and forth to Florida a lot. I'm in Southeast Missouri a lot. I go to all these meetings. But, you know, I have a I have a routine that I like to stay with. So, you know, I, I get up in the morning, I read, I pray, I exercise, I get ready to go to work. And the reason that works is for me is I know when I don't do it. You know, you just you just feel uneasy. You feel anxious. It's like I missed something today. So you get in that routine. And then if you if you have that plan and you have that vision and you start your routine every day and that's what you work towards. But 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 also put a time on it. And, and like you said, reward yourself you know, enjoy along the way and then celebrate when you reach the goal, but get into that routine and, and stay there, you know, and it's, it, it, it's God, family, country, business. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm an all American. I, I, I love what I do. I love where we live. And, uh, and just, and again, just surround yourself with good people I mean, people that are around you that are, that are naysayers that pull you down, you know, get rid of it. Uh, favorite saying Zig Ziglar, you can get anything in the world you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. So make everybody else successful and you'll certainly get there as well. That is one of my all-time favorite quotes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I love it. And there's so much truth in it. Just keep serving other people and, and good stuff happens. It is. Absolutely. So. That's fantastic. All right. If anyone would like to um, just continue to learn what Farm Credit SEMO and the work that you're doing, if they want to learn more, how best can they um, keep learning or, or find you? Uh, look at on the web. We are Farm Credit Southeast Missouri, Farm Credit CMO. 
I will make a pitch for something new that we're trying. It's called, we're not trying, but it's being tried in the farm credit system. A lot of people are on, it's called farm lend, farm lend. So you get online and you look up farm lend and it's, it's, it is somewhat generic, but the, the thought is in the future, you'll just put in where you live or what land you wanna buy or where you need financing. And it will take you to the local farm credit. And what we're trying to do is so it'll take you straight to the local farm credit and you're making a loan application or you're getting a loan. If, if they're not hooked up with the local association, then at least it will tell you where they are and who you can call. And uh, but I would say if you if you if, if you're in a small rural area, you want a home loan, you want a tractor loan, you want, you know, just buy one of these small John Deere tractors for your part time farm. You know, look up your local farm credit association, you know, type, you know, now to type in farm credit, make sure you get to farm credit because, you know, you get on Google and then you get every advertisement in the world. Uh, but farmland, I think, is is a way we're moving into the future where uh, you can type that in and it'll get you to a farm credit somewhere. If you're in southeast Missouri, you come see us. Hey, um, longer terms, lower rates, no fees, better service, and we'll pay you money at the end of the year. It's a great place to be, a great place to borrow money. The farm credit system as a whole is a great organization. The thing that frustrates me the most, 34 years in the system, I can still go out on the street and talk to 10 people and eight of them won't know who farm credit is. So maybe you can help spread that word. Fantastic. Spell farm, you said farmland or farmland? Farmland, F-A-R-M-L-E-N-D. Farmland, F-A-R-M-L-E-N-D.com, is that right? Com, and it will, it will get you there. It will definitely help you get, get to where you need to be with farm credit. This is awesome. So much, so much uh, great information, Greg. Thank you. Uh, and, and Greg Cutting, oh, go ahead. Let me just say real quick. So that, I think that was developed by Farm Credit Services of America. It's a big association. And so we, we work with the big association. We work with all associations and all banks across the way. You know, we, we collaborate. And, and, and so they, 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 they're bigger. They can build the system and we can attach to it. And that really works well. We do that throughout the system in different ways. So. I think collaboration is something that you guys are, are just great at doing the, the right. farmers and the farm credit system. And you referenced it even earlier with, you know, working with the commercial banks, working with the bigger associations, working with where you are and um, in your local, you know, rural market. So I think it's fantastic. Collaboration has always been there. Oh, hey, I would say this real quick. The, the best thing about the system is we're all locally owned. We all have a yeah. CEO and a board of directors and we do our own thing. The worst thing about the system is we're all on our own. So when we all get in a room together, there are a bunch of egos to manage and, and we still try to work with that. But again, it's, it's a great system and it's, it, it is locally owned. So it's a great place to be. I think it's fantastic. Greg, thank you. Thank you so Greg, much. Greg Cunningham, you are the president and CEO of Farm Credit Southeast Missouri, found on the web at farmcreditsimo.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you so much. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.